Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. In hand and turn with me to John chapter 12. We'll be reading verse, verses 4 through 6 in just a moment. We're concluding our series today dealing with toxic relationships. And man, there must be a whole lot more toxic people out there than I thought because I've been getting so much feedback <laughs> from this series to, of people dealing with toxic people. So uh, I think this is a very relevant message uh, for all of us. Today's message is titled Following Jesus' Example. Now, if you've missed any of the messages in the series uh, or if you want to hear them again, which I believe would be beneficial to you. I encourage you to get on our YouTube channel or on our Facebook page and you can go back and hear uh, the messages again. We've talked about how to uh, walk away when necessary. We've talked about how to protect ourselves. We're going to be talking today. Uh, we've also talked about how to identify a toxic person. Today we're going to be talking about following Jesus' example, how to deal with toxic people in a Christ-honoring way. You know, I read the story of a man named Mike and he had a contractual work agreement with with a toxic boss. So he wasn't his direct employee, but he had a contract with him, so he worked with him on a regular basis. And his boss's name was Joe, and he described Joe as a toxic man who was a level 10 narcissist. A level 10 narcissist. He said Joe was very intelligent, extremely successful in business, but he had no friends, and he had been married and divorced multiple times because nobody could put up with him. He used his wealth to try to keep people, overpaying his employees and giving out huge bonuses so, so that they would be indebted to him and that they would stay and he could have control over them. He pressured people, he intimidated them, he manipulated them to his own selfish ends. Mike found a way to work around Joe without losing his sanity. First, because his faith gave him the emotional and spiritual strength to deal with Joe. And secondly, because he refused to play Joe's game. He said, I'm not going to ride Joe's roller coaster. If he's angry, I'm not going to take it personally and get angry. It's his problem, not mine. If he's ecstatically pleased with something I've done and lavishes praise on me, I'm not going to get lifted up with his accolades because I know what's coming next. He, he is always going to be up and down but I don't have to let him define my life and make me be up and down. There's some wisdom there, folks. He went on to share how on one occasion, Joe was facing a legal issue and he didn't want one of his employees to be subpoenaed to testify against him. So unbeknown to her, he paid for an all expense paid cruise for her and her family so that she would be out of the country during the legal proceedings. But because she was pregnant and not feeling good, she turned down his gracious offer. He got upset. He tried to pressure her. When he couldn't pressure her, he got in touch with her husband. And he tried to pressure her husband. And his, her husband put his foot down and said, don't you understand? She's pregnant. She's not feeling well. We cannot take this trip. And so then Joe backed up a little bit, but he regrouped and he decided to go and see her doctor. This is not her family member. This is her boss. And he goes to her doctor and told him, oh, doctor, I am so concerned about my employee's health. And, uh, and she really needs to take care of herself. He convinced her doctor to put her on complete bed rest. So 
so that she would not be available to testify. And you know what? The doctor fell for his manipulation and issued an order for her to be on complete bed rest. That's how manipulative, conniving, and controlling toxic people can be. One day, Joe was bragging to Mike about what an exemplary boss he was in that he was paying her even though she was not working, she was on bed rest. He said, look at me, look what an excellent boss I am. But Mike calmly confronted him with the truth that he didn't really care about his employee's health, that he was only trying to protect himself from her testifying against him. Joe didn't like the fact that Mike called him out, so he launched a plan to try to win Joe over to his side. Remember last week with Nehemiah when the attacks didn't work, what did he do? Come and be our friend, we wanna help you. And you see this outplaying here. So the first thing he did, he invites him out to an expensive restaurant. But Mike graciously declined, said no thank you. Then Joe had a, a, a gift wrap box delivered to Mike's house and told, or, or he delivered it actually, he told him, don't open it until I'm gone. When Mike opened it, it had $5,000 in cash. So he called Joe and Joe said, ah, you must have opened up my gift. So we're good now, right? And Mike said, I'm sorry, but I can't accept this money. I've got to return it to you, Joe. Now, Joe had constructed his own universe with him at the center. That's what a narcissist does, right? Everything has to revolve around them. And, and so he was at the center of his own universe where he could control and manipulate everybody around him, primarily with his money, with threats, with intimidation and manipulation. Mike said he either tries to win your loyalty with money and gifts, and when he can't win you over, he tries to ruin you. But you know what? He couldn't do that with Mike because Mike was successful in his own right. He had his own business. He only had a contractual agreement with Joe. And so uh, he was able to deflect and not, uh, not come into Joe's orbit of destruction. So Mike refused to be pulled into Joe's narcissistic universe by standing firmly in his integrity. And that's the only way he was able to continue working with such a toxic person and not allow it to destroy him. Now, throughout this series, we have emphasized that Jesus often walked away from people or he allowed people to walk away from him. And we've said that following Jesus' example, whenever possible, removing yourself from or limiting your exposure to a toxic person is generally the best thing to do when you can do it. But what about when it's not possible? What about when you're married to a toxic person? Now, physical abuse is a whole other story, and, and, and God is not expecting you to stay there and be a punching bag or be killed. That's a whole other story, but we don't have time to preach that right now. But, but you might not be able to walk away if you're in a toxic marriage or, to, or you have toxic family relationships or you're in a situation where your boss is toxic and out of financial necessity you can't leave. Uh, uh, all of these situations might make it, or, or ministry sometimes. In ministry, uh, sometimes you have to deal with toxic people. Nobody here, but I know through the years I have had to. And, you know, I can't just walk away from ministry because there's a toxic person around and that I have to work with them on a regular basis. If you're in that situation, be encouraged because Jesus had a toxic person in his inner circle as well. It was one of his own disciples who ended up being his betrayer, Judas. And John gives us a snapshot 
at the kind of person Judas was in John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So what we see here, Judas was one of the 12 disciples, right? He was a a, a member of Jesus's inner circle, Jesus's core leadership team. He lived with Jesus and the other disciples for three years. He heard every sermon Jesus preached. Folks, you can be in church and be a toxic person. You can hear sermon after sermon, but if you're not allowing it to change your life, you can say, oh, I can quote the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, but if you're not allowing it to change your life, then you can be a toxic person in church. And so Judas heard every sermon Jesus ever preached. He witnessed every miracle Jesus performed. uh, And he was even trusted by Jesus to be the treasurer for Jesus's ministry. He kept the money back. And that always amazes me. Because, you know, in John 2.25, it tells us that no one needed to tell Jesus about human nature. He knew what was in each person's heart fully. So that tells me that Jesus knew the heart of of Judas. He knew that he was a betrayer. He knew that he was a thief. And yet still, he gave him that opportunity to be one of the 12. Because, you see, God's grace is open to everyone, right? So he gave him that opportunity. He chose him as one of the disciples and he trusted him to be the keeper of the finances of the group. But in fact, more than a thief and a betrayer, Jesus said early in his ministry, I chose the 12 of you, but one of you is a devil. This is early on, right after he chooses the 12. And Jesus says, I already know. Come on, folks. One of you is the devil. And it goes on to say, he was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would later betray him. There is an author by the name of Paul Tiska, and he calls Judas the poster boy of toxic people. The poster boy of toxic people. Because besides being a traitor and a thief, Judas was a narcissist. He was very self-centered and entitled. He criticized Mary for wasting this expensive ointment on anointing Jesus. Because all that Judas could see when that oil was, when that expensive perfume was being poured out was dollar signs. His eyes went cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. That could be more money in my pocket. That's all he could see. And, and, and um, he pretends that he has compassion for the poor. Oh, what a waste this is. We could sell it and give it. He had no intention of selling it and giving it to the poor. He had every intention of lining his pockets. So he, he's a liar. He's a thief. He's self-centered. He's a criticizer, criticizing the waste uh, of this expensive perfume. He's a liar and a hypocrite. Oh, we could sell it and give it to the poor. But he's all of these things. And when Jesus spoke of of one of his disciples betraying him at the Last Supper, Judas is the first to say, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. 
The audacity. He knew good and well what he was about to do. And he's pretending to be, you know, it's like people that will pretend to be your friend. Oh, I'm there for you. And, and they've got the knife in one hand to stab you in, in the back. So he said, it couldn't be me, Rabbi. He was minutes away from betraying Jesus. And he's pretending like he is an innocent, loyal follower of Jesus. Not only is he a, a liar and a hypocrite, he's greedy. He's willing to sell his friend, his spiritual leader, for 30 pieces of silver. He was narcissistic. Everything was about him. If he wasn't happy following Jesus, why didn't he just quit and go somewhere else? But he decided to stay. And he decided to use that opportunity for his own selfish ends. He felt he knew better how to run things than Jesus did. He was selfishly ambitious and he was not contented with his position. He wanted to be in charge. See, that's one of the goals of toxic people is control. And he wants to be in control, controlling how the money is spent, controlling Jesus. He wants to provoke Jesus to declare himself as king and, and take political power so that he can rise uh, on, the, on the ladder uh, of his position and be a political leader in Jesus' kingdom. So he's trying to force Jesus' hand with this betrayal. So he's wanting to be in control. And, and, and when he couldn't get his way, Jesus, uh, Judas did what a lot of toxic people do. They turn on you and try to destroy you. If you're not going to give me what I want, then I'm going to attack you and I'm going to bring you down. They'll bring down the person. They'll bring down the relationship. Sometimes they'll bring down an organization. Sometimes they'll try to bring down a church if they don't get their way. So he sold Jesus out to his enemies for 30 pieces of silver. But you know what? Jesus knew what was going on and Jesus called him on it. At the Last Supper, when Jesus said someone was going to betray him, and Judas said, it couldn't be me, Rabbi, you don't mean me. Jesus said in John 13, 26, it's the one to whom I give this bread that I dip in the bowl. And Jesus dipped the bread, and who did he hand it to? Judas. And in verse 27, it says, when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Satan was already working in him, but this is a greater intrusion of the enemy's work inside of him because he's already made up his mind. Now, even though he's confronted by Jesus on what he's about to do, he persists in his action. And then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. Hurry. Jesus chose Judas as one of his disciples. He ate with Judas, which in Middle Eastern culture was a sign of fellowship and, 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 and acceptance. He even washed Judas's feet. He served Judas, and the washing of his feet was a symbol how Jesus came to serve mankind by giving his life on the cross and by washing Judas's feet. He was saying, I'm dying for you too. You're going to betray me. You're trying to ruin me, but I died for you too. And you have the same opportunity that everyone else here has to be saved. So if you reject it, it's on you, Judas. It's on you. So Jesus teaches us by the way he relates to Judas. He teaches us how to deal with toxic people that we can't just walk away from. And like I said, 
toxic people can even go to church. I know none of them are here. They're at the church down the street, but toxic people can even go to church. Amen. But I want us to see several principles from, from the way Jesus related with Judas. First of all, it is not your mission to change toxic people. You can't do it anyway. But it is not your mission to change toxic people. And, and what that means is, first of all, toxic people are not your fault. I, I read about a family in Allentown, Pennsylvania, that they were raising a 350-pound black bear since the time that it was a cub, and they named him Teddy. And it was their pet, their family pet. The bear, however, one day attacked and killed its owner, Kellyanne Wallace, while she was just cleaning out the bear cage, something she had done daily for many years. The neighbor's children actually witnessed the attack, and the father had to kill the bear. The fact of the matter is that no matter how well this family treated the bear, no matter how much they loved him, a bear is a wild animal. They have a wild nature, and they cannot be tamed because of their potential aggression. And they can turn against you for no apparent reason. They can overpower you and attack you, severely mauling you and even killing you. Why? Because it is their nature. This woman hadn't done anything. It wasn't her fault that the bear attacked her. It was the bear's nature. They're predatory. Now, you may have a toxic spouse a toxic parent, toxic family member, toxic friend, coworker, or boss. And as a Christian, even if you go out of your way to be the best husband or the best wife or, or the best child or uh, son or daughter or the best parent or the best friend or the best coworker or the best employee, the toxic person will eventually try to overpower you with control and uh, intimidation and manipulation. And if that doesn't work, they will attack you. They will attack you with criticism. They will attack you with unnecessary and incessant arguments and blame and whatever way they can to tear you down. Why? Because that's what toxic people do. It is in their nature. What nature? Their fleshly nature. Because even if they're in church, it is obvious if they're acting in this way that they have not had their nature renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. They are still in the flesh. They're still in the flesh. So it's their nature. And if they're outside of the church, then we know they're sinners. That's just real blatant, right? Their sin nature is full-blown alive. And so a toxic person will try to control, intimidate, manipulate. If that doesn't work, they'll turn on you, they'll attack you, they'll try to ruin you, they'll criticize you, they'll tear you down because that's what toxic people do. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't mean that you didn't love them enough. It doesn't mean that you didn't try hard enough. It doesn't mean you failed. It just means they are toxic. It's not your fault. Jesus is perfect, right? And he still had a toxic person in his inner circle. He loved perfectly, and he still had a toxic person in his inner circle. So toxic people are not your fault. They are the way they are because of their nature. 
and that nature has not been submitted to the Holy Spirit to be transformed. And you, I, I, don't, I, I don't wanna burst anyone's bubble, but I need to inform you, you are not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Write that down. Because sometimes we try to play God in somebody's life and we try to change, and you can't. You can't. That's a work that only God can do in them. So toxic people are not your fault and toxic people are not your job. Jesus knew that Judas was toxic. He could have confronted the thievery, the narcissism, the selfish ambition and the greed and the hypocrisy and the deceit at any time. He could have taken the money bag away from him and he could have thrown him out of the group of 12 disciples. But you know what? Jesus didn't. Because Jesus understood his mission. His priority was seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness as we talked last week. His mission was not to fix toxic people. Jesus came for the people who recognized that they were sick and in need of him. Remember that's what he said? I've not come for the self-righteous. I've not come for the people that think they've got it all together. And the toxic person never thinks they have a problem, by the way. The problem is everybody else. So Jesus said, you know, I've come for the people who want to be changed. I've come for the people who recognize that they need me. Jesus understood his mission. And his mission was not to try to fix toxic people. Now, if they would turn to him and repent, then certainly. But Jesus was kingdom focused and he lived with the urgency that he must be about the father's business. The father had sent him into this world to offer his life as a sacrifice for the salvation of mankind. And Jesus also came to train up disciples and to establish a church that would carry on his mission after he left. And Jesus would not allow himself to be deterred or distracted by the petty squabbles among his disciples. You know, they weren't necessarily toxic, but you, you had James and John, right? And James and John, they were ambition-seeking, right? They even sent their mom to ask Jesus that when he established his kingdom, they could sit on his right hand and his left, you know? So Jesus had all, all sorts of people. It's a wonder he could do anything with them, but he changed the world with most of them anyway. But, but <laughs> he had Peter who was impetuous. You know, Peter, Peter had hoof and mouth disease. He was always saying the wrong thing, right? It was kind of like, give me some ketchup with my toes because I'm, I'm going to say the wrong thing. You know, he was very impetuous, just spoke from his emotions, acted from his emotions. And then finally, you know, we had Judas. Well, of course, we had, um, we had Thomas with his doubt and skepticism, you know. So Jesus had a real mixed bag. He didn't allow all that stuff to distract him. Sometimes people drop out of church because somebody looked at him wrong. Come on now. Oh, they didn't greet me friendly. I'm not going back to that church again. Folks, the church is a group of imperfect people, just like the disciples were a group of imperfect people. But Jesus changed the world with them, you know? We are not perfect. And whenever you point the finger at somebody else, remember three are pointing back at you because you are three times not perfect. Come on now. So you know what? Don't leave a church because somebody didn't greet you nice or smile at you as you thought they should or you had a little squabble with somebody. That's the number one reason people leave churches, by the way. They had a little disagreement with somebody. Come on, build a bridge and get over it. Forgive them, like Jesus said, and move on. Don't, don't get distracted and bent out of shape because of that, that, I said it last week, that kind of stupidity. Because those are stupid things. Hallelujah, no offense, but it's stupid things. Keep focused on God's mission for your life. 
Don't waste your time with these petty things and certainly don't waste your time trying to figure out or fix toxic people. Do you know that even professional therapists have been known to stop counseling particularly troublesome or toxic people? Because after a while, they realize this ain't getting nowhere. It's just driving me crazy, and I'm a, a psychologist. <laughs> so if a professional therapist will recognize that there's some people that they can't fix, which most secular psychology can't fix folks anyway, but that's another story for another time. No offense to any psychologists that we have, hallelujah. But Jesus is the one that can fix people that way, amen? But if, if professional psychologists will give up on some people saying, can't fix them, then certainly we're not trained to fix them. Amen? Only God can. And for that to happen, the person needs to be willing. They need to recognize they have a problem and that they need to change. And as I said earlier, most of them don't think they have a problem. They think everybody else is the problem. So there is the catch-22. So don't get distracted or discouraged by them. Stay on mission, just like Jesus stayed on mission. Second principle, you, can't con you can control how much control a toxic person has over you. You can control how much control a toxic person has over you. A person can only treat you as you give them permission to treat you. Come on. Don't let another person's toxicity infect you. Jesus never let Judas's toxicity change who he was. And you know what? He even loved Judas to the end. And he made sure that Judas was present when he washed the disciples' feet. He could have waited until after Judas ate the piece of bread and went out to betray him and just washed the feet of the eleven. But no, he washed their feet and made sure Judas was present at that time to say, I am ministering to you. I am laying my life down for you. I love you that much regardless of what you are intending to do to me. That's the kind of love Jesus has, amen? Praise God. But just picture it. Judas is scheming in his heart and in his mind. He's already made a deal with the religious leaders at how and when he's going to betray Jesus. And, and, and while all of this is going on, all these cogs are turning in Judas's head to betray Jesus. Jesus is at his feet, washing his feet. Can you imagine? And Jesus knows exactly what's going on in his heart. But Jesus kept loving him. Even in the face of Judas's betrayal, Jesus' humble act of washing his feet was saying, no matter what you do to me, you are not going to infect my soul with hatred, bitterness, or anger. I am going to keep loving you and serving you, and ultimately I will die for you. In fact, when, when Judas betrayed Jesus to his enemies with a kiss, Jesus responded, do what you came for, friend. Jesus called him friend. Is that amazing? That always amazes me when I read that. Jesus didn't call him, say, do what you came to do, traitor. Do what you came to do, you low down scum. You dirty dog or any other number of names that he could have aptly used. But Jesus said, do what you came to do, friend. Jesus calls him friend because there was not a toxic cell in Jesus's body. 
Jesus loved everybody. He extended grace to everybody. And Jesus is our example of how we are to treat others. Jesus came to give his life for everybody, that everyone who believes and repents might be saved. And as his followers, we are called to show the same love that Jesus showed, the love of Christ to everyone, even if we oppose what they're doing. I remember several years ago, there was a woman, her husband was a serial adulterer, and uh, it was very difficult, but she felt God wanted her to stay uh, in that relationship. But, you know, that anger and, 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 and bitterness would come up. And, and, and I would talk with her and pray with her. And I would say, you know what? Just ask God to give you his agape love, the love of Christ, that you can love him with the love of God. Not with eros love, sen sexual sensual love. Not with human love, but with the love of God. And you know what happened over time? He began to see such peace in her. Now, she didn't, you know, while he was out cheating and everything like that, she wasn't, you know, having sex with him or everything like that. It's like, if you want to do that, you do that. But you can't have your cake and eat it too, hallelujah, to say it in a diplomatic way. But she treated him with, with the love of God. She treated him with respect. He had even moved out at one time, was living with another woman, and he would come by to see the kids, and, and he began to mention to her, you know, he goes, I don't get it. You have so much peace. And she, she would talk to him and tell him, well, you know, I'm trusting in the Lord. And I, after a while, he said, I, I, I need what you, you have. After a while, he started coming and sharing with her the problems he was having with the woman he was living with. <laughs> and she said, Pastor, it was so hard to sit there and listen. But I would say, God, just give me your love for this man. Just let me love him with the love of Christ. And she would listen to him and he would vent. After a while, he moved out from that woman. And then after a time, he started saying, I, I wanna come back home and I wanna go to church with you. And he eventually gave his heart to Christ here at New Life. And they were rec you know, reconciled and God restored their marriage. He was in the military, so they were stationed elsewhere, and they eventually had uh, a, another child together. And uh, when last I spoke to them, they were still together attending an Assembly of God church where they were. But, you know, that was a toxic situation for her. It, it, it's got to be incredibly difficult to be married to someone who repeatedly cheats on you. You can't trust them. You don't know what they're doing. You, you don't know what diseases they may be bringing home. You know, incredibly toxic situation. And then he expects her until finally he moved out. He expected her to be, you know, a wife to him. But, you know, she allowed the love of God to fill her heart. Again, not a sexual love, not a wifely love, but the love of God and treated him with the love of God. And it brought transformation eventually uh, in his life. But the, the point of this is we need to love and we need to ask God to help us to love that person with the love of Christ so that we can extend grace to them even when they hurt us. And we must never lower ourselves to the level of a toxic person or anybody behaving in a sinful way. You start act, uh, re reacting to them and, and it's just going to blow the situation further out uh, uh, and makes it, make it more toxic. Because remember we talked last week where there is no fuel, the fire goes out. So if you're not fighting and arguing with them, and, and eventually the, the fire has to go out. All right. So the Bible repeatedly exhorts us to not repay evil with evil. In fact, Jesus said, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. There is the formula for dealing with a toxic person right there in that verse. Jesus is saying, don't treat toxic people the way they treat you. So if we have a toxic person in our life that due to circumstances we cannot avoid, we must follow Jesus' example of how he responded to Judas, which means we must love and we must minister to toxic people in our lives, extend grace. We need to ask the help of the Holy Spirit to do this because I've been there and it is not easy in the flesh because the flesh wants to rise up. Amen. The flesh wants to rise up. Then we need to speak the truth lovingly and firmly. Loving and serving a toxic person doesn't mean that we have to pretend that the toxic person isn't toxic and doing harmful things to us. Jesus confronted Judas at the Last Supper, handing him the bread that was dipped in the gravy as a sign, I know you are the one who is about to betray me. Jesus was saying, I know what you are up to. I know you are trying to hurt me. Again in Gethsemane, Jesus confronted Judas saying, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? He was confronting him lovingly and saying, I know what you're doing. So Jesus spoke the truth to Judas in love. And this is such a relief because it means that we don't have to pretend and act like everything is okay and the toxic person, is, oh, they're really a well-intentioned person. No, you can call a spade a spade in love, in love. But realize that the toxic person has a way of turning things around against you and making you look like you are the bad person in the situation. But that's okay. That's their problem. Because speaking the truth frees you. And the more you stand in the truth, you are establishing boundaries. And you're saying, I know what you're up to. And I'm not going to play your game. And it breaks the toxic person's control over you. Thirdly, pray and trust God. A toxic person can drive you crazy and turn everything you say against you to make it seem that you are crazy for calling out their toxic behavior. But when you pray and spend time in God's presence and listen to his voice of truth, it keeps you sane. And we have to trust that God sees and knows the truth of the situation. And you know what? He's going to one day call that person to account. When you trust that God is just and that that toxic person will one day have to answer to God, you can be at rest and not, not let them mess your mind up. In Psalm 7 verses 6 and 8, David was confident that God would arise against his enemies and judge them. And he prays this. He says, let the Lord judge the people. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. David was saying, God, you see what they're doing to me. You see how they're trying to destroy me. But God, you, you are the just one. You will judge them. And I turn them over into your hands. And I stand in my integrity. I stand in my integrity. I know that you will vindicate me. I know that you will show 
to everyone that I was in the right. Folks, when we've lived righteously before God, we can trust that he will vindicate us and that he'll call to account the toxic people in our life that are trying to hurt us. If we're truly following Jesus, then this is how we are to deal with toxic people, the way Jesus dealt with Judas. Realize it is not our mission to change toxic people. So instead, let's remain focused on God's mission and not get caught up in all of their drama, letting them discourage us and distract us and and, and making us want to give up. No, no. It's not your job to change them. It's not your fault they are the way they are. Just keep focused on the mission that God has for your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Realize that you control how much the toxic person can control you. So don't get caught up in the toxic person's drama. Like the story of Mike at the beginning, he said, I wasn't going to ride his roller coaster. Decide that you're not going to ride the toxic person's roller coaster. It's a waste of time and energy. Be like Nehemiah when his enemies were relentless. And every time, what did he say? The work that I'm doing is too urgent. I don't have time for you. And that's what we got to do as well. The work that we're doing is too urgent. We don't have time for all that mess. Don't let the toxic person infect you with their toxicity. Because before you know it, you're all going to be twisted up and turned up inside. And there's going to be anger and frustration. And don't, don't let them infect you with their toxicity. Love them with the love of God. Extend grace to them and minister to them as you are able. Speak the truth lovingly and firmly. It lets the toxic person know that you are aware of what they're doing, even if they turn it against you and make it seem like you're crazy. But it frees you so that you are not under their control. And pray and trust that God knows the truth of the situation, that he will call them to account and he will vindicate you. Now, if you're a toxic person, God is calling you today to repent and to change and to say, Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. I need you to change me. But whoever you are this morning, God loves you and he has a beautiful plan and purpose for your life. And the first step to knowing and walking in God's good plan and purpose is to enter into relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ and repentance over our sins. And if you're here today and you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I I, want to come to Jesus. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to have a right relationship with him. Or maybe some time ago you gave your heart to Christ. You've drifted away. You know you need to come back. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to come back to Jesus. If that's you, would you bow your heads right now, everyone? And if you would say, pray for me, pastor, I want to come to Jesus, or I want to come back to Jesus. I want to know that my sins are forgiven, and I'm right with God. If that's you, would you just slip your hand right up, and you can put it right back down. Just say, pray for me, pastor. I want to come to Jesus. Thank you for that hand. Someone else, I want to come to Jesus, or I want to come back to Jesus. Is there anyone else this morning? Just slip your hand up, put it right back down. Amen. Amen. For those that raised your hand, and I'm going to encourage the whole church to pray this along with me, we're going to pray a simple prayer, and it's not my words, but it's your heart in sincerity asking God to do this in your life. Would you pray this prayer with me, dear Jesus? I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away 
from my sinful life, and I turn to you in faith. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, and I invite you to come live inside of me. Help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, we want to congratulate you on making the best decision of your life, and we want to welcome you to the family of God. Now, that prayer was a beginning and not an end, so we want to help you to continue in your journey with the Lord. And so we want to send you free of charge a little e-booklet that will help you understand the prayer you just prayed and also the next steps you need to take to keep growing in your relationship with the Lord. But in order to send you that booklet, we need your email address. So if you would, just text your email address to the number on the screen. If you just prayed that prayer, just text your email address to the number on the screen, and we'll be glad to send you uh, uh, the uh, little e-booklet. But once again, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. As we close today, if you have a toxic person in your life that you have to deal with on a regular basis, maybe a spouse, maybe a family member, maybe a loved one, a, a friend, a co-worker, and you need God to help you respond the way Jesus responded, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you that God will give you a heart filled with his love, we want to pray for you that God will be a shield and defense about you to protect your heart and mind so you don't become infected with their toxicity, but that you can love them with the love of Christ. We want to pray for you that God will give you the wisdom and the courage to speak the truth to them firmly but in grace so that you can be set free. And we want to pray for you that God will help you to be able to deal in a Christ-honoring way with that toxic person. So if you're dealing with a toxic person, maybe a spouse, a loved one, a friend, a, f a family member, a coworker, or if you are a toxic person and you recognize that today and you would say, God, I can't change myself, but I want you to change me. So if you're in either of those categories, I wanna invite you to come to this altar so that we can pray together with you this morning. You're dealing with a toxic person, you wanna be able to respond to them in a Christ-honoring way, or you are a toxic person and you need Jesus to change you. Would you just slip out and come if you fit into either of those categories? There's no reason to be embarrassed, folks. This is what this altar is for. It's a place to meet with God. It's a place to have God work in our lives. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, you that have come to this altar, you know why you're here. You know what's brought you to this altar. So would you just have a conversation with God right now and, and ask him to help you to deal with that person in the way Christ would have you deal with them, but also in a way that will protect you and not allow you to become infected or, or discouraged or distracted by their toxicity. You talk to God right where you are at that altar as I pray over us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person at this altar. I thank you today that you are ministering to their hearts, Lord God, that you are speaking into their lives by the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of your word. Father, as we stand before you at this altar, we surrender. We surrender the toxic people we're dealing with into your hands. We ask you to deal with them. And we pray that you would give us the heart of Christ so that we can love them with your agape love, so that we can extend grace to them, so that we can speak truth to them in love. But we also ask for the strength of your Holy Spirit 
so that we would not allow their toxicity to infect us and that we would not allow their toxicity to distract us or discourage us or deter us, but that we would keep focused upon you and fulfilling your purpose and calling for our life, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would just wrap your arms of love around each and every person here that has been hurt by a toxic person. I pray that you would just bind up the wounds of their heart, that you would mend, Lord God, that hurt that is in their soul. And Father, I pray for those that are at this altar that may be a toxic person that have come up here today recognizing, Lord, that's me and I don't want to be this way, but I can't change myself. Father, I pray that as they surrender to you at this altar, Lord God, that they would yield control to your Holy Spirit and allow you to change them. I pray that you would break the chains of bondage over their soul that have caused them to develop this toxicity, Lord God. I pray that you would deliver them today, Lord God. And I pray that you would begin a work of sanctification to transform them more and more into Christ's image, Lord God, that they might become loving, gracious, kind, gentle, self-controlled people under the control of your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that long after the service has ended, you would continue to work in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.